Well, it's a gray Friday here in Boston. It's warm, but that means it's time for another Marketing Agility Podcast. Roland, how are you doing today? I'm doing great in sunny California. Well, today we have another return guest to the podcast. It was August of 2013 that our last guest joined us, Sean Zinsmeister, who joins a rarefied air along with Scott Brinker as a return guest to the Marketing Agility Podcast. Welcome, Sean. It's good to talk to you guys again, Frank. Well, before the podcast, I was joking that I've had, I think, three jobs since we last had you on the podcast, and you're now on to a new job. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was lucky enough to actually be an early Infer customer at Nitro in my role when I was running marketing operations and really, really just fascinated and enjoyed the technology so much and eventually made uh, made the switch. Well, why don't you give us 30 seconds on what Infer does? So we are a predictive sales and marketing company. So we use data science to rapidly build models uh, merged with our external signals to help you predict your next customer and win more business. So is it one big model or is it many custom models? Many custom models, yeah. Okay. The way that we like to think of it is uh, every business is a snowflake. Uh, the environments are different. The sales and marketing workflows are different. And we really work with businesses to figure out what type of model uh, works best for them. And many times that's actually multiple models for sure. Well, I love the word snowflake. Last night I was hosting the Agile Marketing Meetup here in Boston, and I I made the comment that we marketers are snowflakes, and that's why we call it Agile Marketing and not just Agile. (laughs) So so give us a quick snapshot on what's changed for you with Agile since the last time we talked. Wow. So I think that the biggest paradigm shift that has happened for me is I went from being an agile practitioner with a fairly large company, you know, almost 200 employees worldwide and disparate teams, uh, to working for a smaller company, around 60 people or so, and still trying to figure out how could I use the same methodologies to keep the quality of work level high, but while also keeping the output uh, almost equitable of a larger team. And that's certainly been been a challenge, especially in the highly competitive environment that we find today. Yeah, well, most most uh, folks are going to be frank from smaller companies to larger companies. So that's kind of you're you're bucking the trend a little bit there. Can you share just some insights about what worked, big company versus small company? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just a, a difference in models and communication. I think, especially in terms of, I've almost experienced firsthand the, the fundamental shift in marketing as well as where I actually think that the, the models of big lumbering marketing teams uh, versus sort of smaller agile with higher output marketing teams is is something that is probably going to catch on for a lot more businesses, especially as they find complementary ways for them to complement sales. And also using the technology has been a huge driver as well. Um, different tool set uh, in this company. And I think that you know the big thing for me was I went from having a big team sort of in the office to now actually figuring out how we could sort of connect everybody together in a, sem- in a central sort of agile marketing kind of hub uh, to, to keep the same output. And I think that's been that's been a big change as well. So in your new gig, what percentage of your team in marketing is going agile? Is it 100%? Is it 20%? Is it? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, it's pretty much. And part of that is the nature of business that we are in. I mean, predictive is a fairly new uh, concept, fairly new technology, and things are changing constantly. Um, it's not just the new problems, but, you know, we're constantly doing customer development um, you know, I just, for example, you know, redid and relaunched a new positioning, and I, I laughed as I sort of presented it to the team and said, 
I will probably redo this, you know, 10 more times as we continue to learn more, you know, figure out what is the jargon and nomenclature that customers are speaking to us in. So I almost think that agile has to be a part of our DNA because we're almost on the on the bleeding edge, if you will, of, of this mm -hmm. type of product. You just mentioned in your last comment that you have a tool set and the tool set is different at the company you're working at now. We don't have to dive too deep into it, but can you give us some insight into the tools you're using? Yeah, some of it is is uh, platforms that I'm familiar with from uh, from just previous roles, but uh, we are using Asana as our centralized hub. It's a great way to connect uh, remote workers, contractors, um, things like that. Um, I use Asana for our main sort of uh, one source of truth in running all of our projects, and Trello is sort of my personal agile scrum board. Um, so I have it set up. I use sort of like baseball nomenclatures, as that's just a, as a Red Sox fan and a former Bostonite. Um, I, I keep that alive where I have sort of, I know what's in the hole, what's on deck. That's why uh, I remembered why I liked so. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I think Trello and Asana working, working side by side is really big for me. And I have to because there's, you know, as a product marketer, you're involved in so many different things that it's important that you understand where you're spending your time. Uh, and be able to say no to things. I think the other thing that I've also adopted that I I didn't I wasn't probably as stringent on in my last gig is I do something every week called a PMM wrap report, and I break things down where you know my role is really content development. Um, there's part design, part dev, working with our dev team, community engagement. You know that can be anything from meeting with prospects, customers, people of the industry, you know, analyst briefings, things like that. Uh, and then we really operate on the OKR model as well. I think some folks might be familiar with that. Uh, a lot of our guys are ex-Google uh, and have really brought that that um, that sort of methodology uh, into into our house. And I think there's a lot of agile principles baked in there as well. Um, but the PMM wrap report is a great great tool that I recommend. It's just a simple email that I send to my to my boss, who's actually I report right into the CEO. It, it is a great way for you to say, here's what I did this week. Here are the things that are in progress. Um, it's a great way for you to self-reflect as well as show transparency to uh, department heads as well. But you're not doing one-week sprints. How long are the sprints? Sprints do tend, we do try to compact everything into two weeks so that we're still sort of trying to fit with the uh, our, our engineering counterparts. Because um, there are a lot of work because I work so closely with uh, customer success and particularly um, and the engineering team, we try to work within those those confines. Um, sometimes that changes if we have you know launches that are scheduled you know a month at a time. But I do think that the way that we are packaging those sort of work cohorts, if you will, uh, still does fall into the two time period. Great. Just for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with the OKR format, you want to just speak to that real quick? It's it's an interesting way, and I think that some people have called it HRTs, high return targets. They're a way that you roll up sort of big company milestones, and we, we have them down as sort of objectives and key metrics, and they're things that at the high level we know what the business wants to do. You know, some people, they can be as high level as a mission statement, and then they roll down to the department level. Um, so every quarter, we establish what our OKRs are going to be, and all of those should roll up into the high-level ones that are set by the board and the exec team. Um, and anything that sort of feels out of scope is, is sort of placed aside. Um, there's actually a really, really great in-depth uh, YouTube video on OKRs. If you actually just go in there and Google Google OKRs, they have a great overview uh, in-depth for people who are looking to adopt some of that, even pieces of that methodology. Sounds good. We'll put that into the show notes for the show. Curious, when you're using Asana and Trello, Trello, 
Are you connecting those at sort of like the epic level? Not, you know? not necessarily. I consider Trello very granular, um, which is one of the reasons that I kind of keep that as my personal board. I do think Asana does have the more traditional epic into smaller sort of smaller packages and, and, and deliverables. I like to keep track of Trello because I, I like to have things where I'm going to track a day. The other thing that I've also added in there as well is the, I've been a big fan of the Pomodoro technique. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that uh, as well. I, I tend to, it's, it's, it's a bit, seems a bit OCD at times, but running yourself in 20 minutes kind of sprints during the day, it just helps keep me focused when you have so many balls in the air or if I feel like I'm spending too long uh, but it's also key for you to give yourself some sort of forced breaks so you can kind of give yourself a chance to breathe, come back to center. And I, I've really felt that that's helped increase the quality of my work. That's interesting. So the 20-minute bursts. We had a meetup here in Boston, I want to say two years ago, when we had a speaker from OpenView Labs come and they were talking about their one-week sprints. And then and then within the one-week sprints, they were practically, you know, they were managing, they were sizing things by the hour. And then I was thinking, what's next? Managing it by the by the minute and then putting in bathroom breaks but uh, it was it was interesting to see but i think your point is right it's an attention span thing right i think it's attention span and it's also the the quality of the feedback mechanism you have in place you know if i look at where marketing teams are really executing today you know the data is getting better the tools are getting better for them to manage their efforts and so they're able to change their course very very quickly whether that's you know understanding the quality of a campaign and understanding where to place their bets um, I think that also the huge thing that we have, especially when we're looking at the project management side, is opportunity cost is becoming more and more important for especially C-level executives to figure like where are we spending our time? Are we spending our time on the right on the right things? And many times it's the quality of the instruments we're using to measure that. Um, whether that's whether you're a marketing team and that's the you know you know your quality of leads. Um, or just sort of project execution. I think that that's becoming a, a bigger, bigger emphasis in, in 2016 for sure. Let me try and switch gears for a minute here. I know that you've done a bunch of um, talking about uh, account-based marketing. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that model, how you're leveraging it at, uh, at Infer, and how does it connect with Agile? I, I think that it's, it's very n a natural partner with Agile. So account-based marketing is really about focusing on key accounts that are going to drive the highest amount of revenue. And what we're really seeing is many, many businesses are moving from these leads-based uh, business models uh, where they're having, you know, attacking free trials and, and freemium models to how do we complement the revenue portfolio by moving up market. And so they're adding account-based marketing strategies in place to sort of say, okay, we want to now focus not on the quantity of leads, but the accounts that are going to drive the highest amount of revenue for us. Uh, and they're using different technologies to understand, like predictive, to stack rank those accounts accordingly. And you know, where the intersection with Agile is, I definitely think it's the move of the, you know, from a shift from quantity to more of a quality focus. I think those optics are, are very, very important. And also, I'm finding that account-based marketing strategies, you can do a lot with smaller teams because you are having a very focused strategy um, with a small target list of accounts, if that makes sense. Well, it's not uncommon in a startup environment uh, to say, okay, I I'm advising, personally, I'm advising a visual search company here in Boston, and their their goal right now is five pilots, and they have, they're going after the retail market, so they have, 
50 accounts that they're that are on their list so that account-based approach is really kind of sensible and it's 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 kind of like they've given the list industry has given a new name to something that a lot of us were doing for a while which is just release target account selling oh so, yeah I, I think that if you looked at you know gary halbert and some of his, what he was writing about for just old school direct marketing um it definitely is a repackage of that that idea i think that the tactics are very similar I do think, however, you know, the, the instruments that we use to measure these things, like I, like I mentioned before, allow us to shift gears rather quickly and understand what's working and what's not. And again, like it's understanding where you're putting your time. I, it's a focus thing for me. It's like if you know that this is the most important, you know, top 10 accounts, if you will, and your marketing strategy and, and team know that, hey, we're going to just focus on, on building content for these 10 accounts. And it's very difficult for you to sort of go wrong with that strategy knowing that. Yeah, so that's a good segue to a question about uh, the cross-functional team, how cross-functional your teams are. And I'm particularly interested in understanding how you're involving you know, a sales lead or um, an account lead in your agile practice. Because sure. you know, if account-based marketing is, is a central focus for you, how, what sales roles play? Sales role in that. So I have a daily stand-up with our customer success lead every single day because he's really. While I do have a lot of customer-facing engagement to procure, you know, ideas, strategies, and understand their challenges, and then where we can sort of map solutions to those challenges. That is is such a source of truth for me talking uh, from somebody who's on the front lines. On the other end, sales team really gives me a feedback. I'll tell you a secret about, about where we do content development here. Uh, while I have a great pipeline of ideas and gaps that I need to, that I know I need to fill from a sales enablement standpoint, I'm also very reactive to the sales conversations that are having. So I'm I'm in very closely with the reps, especially our sales lead. Um, I have at least two stand-ups with them a day. Certainly informal meetings on the floor are quite common here as well. Um, but, you know, when they walk out of a pitch meeting or I get a chance to sort of ride shotgun on it, you know, I'm listening for, for what are the questions that are going to be asked, and then I can put those into play uh, depending on how critical uh, those pieces might be. I mean, content for me is a product, uh, and we want to be able to, to map that product to the challenges that the customers are having as well as the product that they're going to be purchasing from Infer. Great. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it's interesting to hear. Do you ever do sort of prototyping with sales where they're testing things for you in the, before you actually productize it, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. Especially from a messaging standpoint, Roland, I think that this is really important. Most of the time, I will test a messaging, whether it's a new deck, and have them sort of take it to market um, and then get feedback from it. Um, and we also use events as a kind of a great testing lab for messaging as well, um, where we have an idea and literally the measurement could be like, am I getting enough head nods and light bulbs feel like <laughs> metaphorical light bulbs going off uh, on the floor when I'm talking to customers, whether that's like, how are you different or how does this you know, solve this? And once you sort of get that type of validation, you can kind of start to standardize that across the sales org. Um, in particular. So positioning statements for is something that we iterate quite a bit on um, and sort of using those pockets with, with the sales pitch as well as, you know, using mediums like events are very, very valuable to then take that and move into a standardization medium. 
Well, and it is the dirty little secret of, of startup marketing is that unfortunately we don't have certainty in our messaging because we do learn so much every day and every quarter and every month. I, I totally hear you on the changing the slide deck. I mean, I was had a conversation with my head of sales yesterday about that and he said, aren't we just going to update this every two months? And I said, yes, that's what we do. So because we learn and we adjust and hopefully 90% of it stays the same, but that 10 or 15% we tweak every two months is meaningful and it is yeah. the result of some empirical evidence that we've gathered somewhere along the line. From a real product standpoint, um, a lot of those conversations definitely are from, you know, the sales talking to prospects, but also you right. know, myself, myself talking to analysts and prospects as well, pitching them on an idea and then being able to bring that back to our engineering and product team and say, hey, this is something that we're seeing a lot of. Uh, we think that this would be a fruitful endeavor for us if we prioritized it over, say, you know, this, that, and the other. I think that that's super, super important and critical, especially when you're, you know, there's only so much that you can build uh, quarter over quarter. So can you, as context, just provide a little bit of insight into how much of your buyer's journey is automated and is on the marketing side? Are you doing a lot of qualification? And what's the size of the sales team that you're working with? So the sales team, we have a pretty large SDR team. So we're about probably 20 or so and growing uh, pretty quickly. A lot of the demand gen function is out of the SDR team. I think that we're very product marketing centric. This is just because content and using education to simplify the message of something that feels really complex like data science um, is really, really important for us. And I would say that a majority of our marketing efforts are for education purposes. So a lot of publishing, uh, PR is really important for us as well, thought leadership. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to have amassed um, a lot of great customers. And customer marketing, actually, Roland, is a number one uh, function, I think. You know, the more that we can tell stories, I kind of call it taking it to the street, uh, tell stories through customer use cases. You know, here's a customer that looks a lot like you and how they're using the product uh, is the most effective marketing that we can do, especially when you're doing something that's as new and innovative, like predictive. So let me ask the last question that we've been consistently asking. I probably asked you this question three years ago as well, but... What uh, learnings from your experiences with using Agile in your marketing team do you think you could share with newbies, people who are just getting started trying to do Agile in their marketing team? I think that you have to take a portfolio approach. I don't think that that's something that's changed for me over the years. I think that there are sort of pure Agile practitioners out there that are, it's going to work really well. Um, I also think that it is okay for you to have a diversified mix of um, agile and waterfall approach as well. It depends on the needs of the business. And I know that that's the marketer's favorite answer to everything, right? It depends. But in many cases, it does. It depends on your environment. It depends on the type of people uh, that you have as well. If they're willing to sort of adapt more into agile and your business uh, success metrics call for it. But I think taking a portfolio approach you know, it helps you sort of find the right balance in your organization for what you're trying to accomplish. And sometimes that's, you know, the tools that you use, um, certainly the, the the people that you have in place, uh, and then certainly what, what the mission statement of the company is. Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks so much for coming on the show with us. And to our listeners, thanks for listening, listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. There, Frank, I said it. You did say it. That's okay, though. <laughs> it makes a huge difference. And 
Um, if you're an agile marketer with a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us on social. You can find me at rsmartly on Twitter or Frank is at Tangy Slice. Till next time, stay agile.